Ante Up is your poker magazine dedicated to the everyday player and their poker rooms. Pick up a free copy at your favorite poker room nationwide each month. But Ante Up is much more than a magazine. Visit AnteUpMagazine.com daily for breaking news and each week download our award-winning poker cast. Join us on our action-packed poker cruises to exotic destinations. Ante Up, it's your poker magazine. From the Anti-Up headquarters in Tampa Bay, Florida, it's the Anti-Up PokerCast. And now, here are two guys who think they know how to play poker, Chris Casenza and Scott Long. It's April 7th, 2017. You're listening to the best poker cast on the interwebs. I'm Chris Casenza. And I am headphone-free Scott Long. <laughs> I think our listeners are going to appreciate this because, you know, all your nervous ticks and stuff, hitting that exactly. wire and hitting the thing. Now, they're not going to hear anything. It's going to be great. I've always wanted to go au natural, but you've always made it sound like I have to have headphones on, plugged <laughs> in and everything. And the funny thing is, is whenever I travel or we do proofs, I do it without the headphones and you never say anything. Yeah. So that today I couldn't get the headphones to work, and you're like, you sound great. I'm like, I know. You do suck. Well, I want to get rid of the headset, too, but I don't know if I can. I don't know if you want both of us naked on the show. <laughs> I'm going to try it. I'm going to try it. Somebody, one of these days, I'm going to call you up randomly, and you're not going to know, and we're going to see how it goes. But, uh, yeah, you sound great, so let's hope it works out. Awesome. Awesome. All right, also, speaking of awesome, was our Annie Up Poker Tour at Pearl River. Uh, we just finished our, uh, oh my gosh, I think it's been our third event there. Yes, our third. Yeah, our third one. Yeah, that's right. And we got a uh, fourth coming up uh, in uh, October. So, um, But yet again, another interesting end to a main event as the, uh, the final seven players in the Pearl River Spring Poker Classic agreed to a chop the prize pool evenly and play it out for the cover of Anti-Up and a seat in the Anti-Up World Championship. And Robert Vizi and BJ McBrayer made a second deal, heads up, to give Vizi the title and the cover, McBrayer the World Championship, and me 45 minutes of sleep before my flights. <laughs> and uh, But uh, interestingly enough, uh, Vizi started the day with just 27,000 and chips and had checked out of his hotel room because uh, he didn't think he was going to stay long. So, you know, it's always interesting at the end of this, you know, we have the there's a, there's a dance between uh, taking the photo, uh, talking to me for the article, uh, getting money, which is usually the most important part for this. Yeah. And then at this point, we all looked around looking for him to do all those things, and he was at the front desk trying to get a room at uh, 3 a.m. or whatever it was. But yeah, I mean, you know, I, I always hate when we have deals just because, you know, I'm a traditionalist. I like to see tournaments played out and an actual winner and all that, right? But um, this year the structure was better than previous years. They started an hour later uh, to give the folks that uh, finished up the, the fourth day one flight an extra hour of sleep. And uh, so, uh, you know, we're doing the over-under, and the tournament director was like, uh, at the beginning of the day, he's like, I think it's going to be about 3 a.m. And I'm like, 3 a.m.? <laughs> Oh, I'm like, I gotta be out of here like 5 a.m. for my flight. And uh, last year, the last event, I finished at midnight. And he's like, Yeah, but that was a deal, and the structure's better now. I'm like, Oh, you're right. Oh, man. So, yeah, this one looked like it, it could have gone easily into uh, daylight hours. Um, but uh, but it was an interesting way of doing it a seven way chop. And then you could easily see that there were probably 
three, maybe four of those seven that didn't really care about the cover or the trip. <laughs> so they were all in like in the next couple of hands to get it down to three handed or four handed. And then, uh, then when I got down to heads up, then the, these two guys worked it out. And, um, so, uh, everything worked out, but it was a, it was a fun event. So it's like we have two winners. Yeah. Or seven well, winners. Seven winners, but two uh, additional winners. Yes, exactly. Cool. But it worked out because uh, VZ, he's from uh, Louisiana. He's been a big fan of us for a while. He knows our former ambassador there. Um, and uh, he just uh, was getting a kick out of being on the cover. He's a, you know, an amateur. He's, I, yeah, he's an amateur player. He's retired, and now he just plays for fun. He says he doesn't really care uh, whether he wins or loses, though he always prefers to win, obviously. Mm, right. <laughs> Um, so he, he was really tickled to, to get the cover and that. And then uh, BJ is a uh, professional player that always does quite well at our Pearl River events and all over um, Mississippi and the South. And um, he, he was excited to be able to get on a plane and go to California and play for, for more money out of this. So uh, it all worked out for everyone. Very cool. Uh, and then the series went on all week, even though I was I didn't get there towards the end. But uh, they uh, beat both guarantees. You know, the first event was a hundred thousand guarantee, as was the main event. But the first event was a three forty buy, and the main event was eight hundred. So they needed a lot more players um, in that first event to um, beat the guarantee, and they they easily beat the guarantee in both of them. So um, pretty much a uh, good trip up there and uh, like I said we'll be back there in October um, I have the actual dates I just haven't got them up on the website but uh, you've got plenty of time to plan ahead yeah yeah, there's plenty of time um, now you know this is the one property where I'm not allowed to play in it, playing in the actual events um, so you know I decided uh, one night after watching people play for a while in tournament I'm like yeah I got the you, know, you get Jones to play cash right, right? right. and um Went over and they and they weren't getting the Omaha game going that I was hoping they would. So you know I sat down at the uh, good old crappy one three no limit right, mm-hmm. and um, you know I sat down. I thought back and I think the last time I played a hand of poker was probably our last cruise right. that I went on. Right, I remember, right, right. Because right. I think that was after per, um, after Thunder Valley or maybe Thunder Valley right after. Anyhow, it's been since November because we haven't had a home game because I was busy and I haven't gone anywhere and uh, it took me about a half an hour to learn uh, that I've forgotten the entire game of poker <laughs> so you know how I feel now because that's, that's how I felt on the cruise I think the last hand I played before the cruise was the other cruise and I'm pretty sure and that's it, I know the feeling man it, it's terrible you sit down at a table and you're like wow I'm I'm terrible yeah, it was rough. You know, usually I, I buy in for the minimum because I just that's the way I like to play. Uh, for some reason, though, I always I just bought in for two hundred instead. And uh, actually, one uh, hand and chopped another one, and actually was up for a little bit. And then I, I was looking at that stack and because I was thinking, I'm like, before I sat down to play, and I'm like, should I just go to the sports bar and get a pitcher of beer, or should I go play poker? <laughs> and you know what's going to happen when you make that decision, right? Yep. So then at that point, I was looking at the stack, and I'm like, hey, I just paid for several uh, pitchers of beer. Let's just get up and go. But I only played for like 10 minutes, right? And you know where that story's got to go. Yep. <laughs> um, and then I got into a hand uh, with uh, three diamonds on the board, and I had the king of diamonds in my hand, uh, but not another diamond. And there was one player at this table that was just in every hand. And I just thought he was loose, and I was watching how he's playing, and I'm like, that's who I was kind of targeting. Because uh, I thought if I get him in a good spot, then I can get his stack, of course. And then when you think about that, then you realize you're getting yourself into not a good spot <laughs> to not have a made hand, right? 
and uh, and uh, I kept uh, stayed into the end. And the river was a king, so the flush didn't get there for me. And of course, that's the worst card to come, right? Yeah. Then uh, then he shoved, and I called because I thought he was light, and uh, turned over. He had turned over two four of diamonds, so he had flopped the flush. Yeah. Um. And, uh, and then boom, that buy-in's gone. So put another hundred bucks out there, and then uh, same guy cleaned me out. <laughs> oh <laughs> man! And he had like a, I think it was a. I had a couple all-ins where I, I was pipped, like an ace queen versus ace king, or uh, I had queens versus ace king, and he flopped a king on me, and then boom, got up, went to the sports bar, had my pitcher of beer that now cost me three hundred dollars. Oh man, ten dollars. <laughs> oh. Brutal. Um, yeah. So, but you know that's what happens, right? You know it's poker, right? Yeah, it is poker. But it it's it is interesting. Like when you you're, when you're gone that long from the game, and, and then you sit down, and you you really do feel like timid or just like you said rusty. You know, and it, it's it's a weird feeling. It takes a while. You get it back, but it takes a little while, and it's it's. You know, it's precarious. You know, you don't well, know what's going to happen with your money, and ugh. yeah, I think what, what <clears throat> I didn't think I was rusty when I sat down. It's a lack. You know, when you walk your way and you're doing that walk of shame to the bar now, and you're like, did that just happen? <laughs> um, you start to think about it, and you realize that you know, I sat down thinking it was like a bike. You know, you you never learn how to ride, right? You pop right back on every time, and right. um, certainly I knew the mechanics and that hadn't changed, right? But it was like the subtle things that you need to uh, remember with your table that you've learned over all these years of playing, right? That I had kind of like, that was part that got rusty. And, um, you know, so that that's where I was getting pipped on hands and things like that where you kind of learn, hey, this is not the right spot to be committing. Um, so, I, you know, maybe I need to start listening to a poker podcast. I don't know if you have any recommendations. Out there. <laughs> not ours. Maybe, you know, maybe reading a poker magazine. <laughs> Not sure how many of those are still being published this day, but I'll, I'll try to find one, and uh, yeah, I'll get a little better here. But and I have to because you know we got a cruise coming up here in you know, two weeks, and I'm gonna have to be right. playing for uh, eleven nights here on it. So uh, I will have to get better, right? Yep. Well, it's good to know that you suck right now. Let's take advantage in the early days of the cruise. Right, right. You're gonna want to clean me out in the first couple of <laughs> yeah, days. That's right. <laughs> um, and then wow, what a trip home! All right, so it's not a poker story, but I know people like when when I just uh, you know uh, biff on my travel, right? So uh, this is a lesson where you know because I, I, I travel so much that I think I'm almost like a travel god, right? So you throw a throw a roadblock at me, and I figure out a way around it. Um, so I'm sitting there literally was at the final table of the main event uh, around midnight or so, right? Uh-huh. And I'm live tweeting the, the final table, so, you know, paying super close attention and, and all that. When I get uh, American Airlines calls me and they're like, hey, your flight tomorrow has been uh, delayed and you're going to miss your connection. Um, so we've rebooked you and then press one to accept these changes or two to reject them. And I'm like, I'm talking to a computer now, so I listen to it, and I'm like, and the the, the changes were going to make me miss my city commission meetings, and it was photo day for the city commission. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, I can't do that. And I'm like, so let me see if I can figure out something better. So um, in the middle of live tweeting, I'm also like Google mapping and on American Airlines website and trying to figure out everything. So um, I found there was only one possible way I could get back to Safety Harbor in time for my 6.30 meeting. And that was to fly home out of Jackson, Mississippi instead of Meridian, Mississippi. 
um, which would not be that big of a deal because they're both about the same distance. Uh, Jackson's like 10 minutes longer. Mm-hmm. But I had a rental car, and unfortunately, my where I rented it from at the Meridian Airport is not a corporate-owned budget location. It's an independently-owned budget location. And therefore, when I called budget, they couldn't they couldn't change it, so I could drop the car off at the new airport. And they recommended that I not even try because they might not even accept it at the other airport, and then we'd have to get the car back to the other airport. But uh, don't worry, work it out tomorrow at nine a.m. when the uh, the local guy gets there. <laughs> of course, the flight that was going to make it work, uh, they had a bunch of flights that were going to work, but it was at six thirty in the morning. <laughs> oh. So I'm like, I, I can't wait till 9 a.m. to figure this out. And they're like, oh, we're sorry, Mr. Long. I'm like, all right. So then I kept working, and I found a flight out of Jackson at 11.10 a.m. And I'm like, all right. <laughs> I can figure this out now. So what I ended up deciding to do is just driving the car down to Meridian, dropping it off at the airport where it should go, right? Right. And then the only rental car place that was open early enough for me to make it to Jackson was Enterprise. So I booked a one-way rental from Enterprise to Jackson, and I had to take a cab, because there's no Uber or Lyft in Mississippi, apparently. <laughs> had to take a cab to the Enterprise, drive to the Jackson Airport, got there in plenty of time. I'm pumped. I'm like, this is going to be great. I look up, and the only flight delayed out of the Jackson Airport is my new flight. Oh, man. And I already had like a 40-minute connection, and I noticed it was delayed 35 minutes. <sighs> So I get in line and I'm like, hey, I'm on the 11 10 flight or whatever. And I'm like, I'm worried what that's going to mean for my connection. The lady's like, you know, does a 27 keystrokes. Yeah. And she's like, yeah, yeah, we'll rebook you on the 445 flight. I'm like, I can't be on the 445 flight. The whole reason I did all this crazy stuff this morning was to get back to Tampa by six uh, for my meeting. And she's like, well, I don't know. She's <laughs> like, guess you're going to have to run. <sighs> And I'm like, okay, uh, I guess I'm going to have to run. And uh, so she wasn't, so I'm like, can you at least move me up to the front of the plane so I can get off as quickly as possible? And she prints out a boarding pass in the same seat in the very last row. <laughs> Ask them to open the back the back door of the plane. <laughs> so then I'm like, all right, I'm just going to call American <clears throat> Airlines and see if somebody I can you know, plead my case with them, and the lady's like, yeah, sorry, ain't gonna happen. Uh, you could try, but you're, you're really gonna miss this flight. So then I'm like, alright, so here's the problem now, is that if I miss that flight, I have to be on the other flight, because I'll, I'll at least have a fighting chance to get there for the second meeting, uh, commission meeting that night, the important one. But I'm like, she's like, you want me to rebook you on that? I'm like, no, because I want the other one. How many seats are on the second one? She's like, oh, you're gonna be fine. So I'm like, alright. So, of course, um, we're, we're getting ready to land, and I'm, you know, tightening my laces on my shoes, getting ready to run. And uh, uh, all of a sudden, we started circling. <laughs> oh. And so we ended up landing 20 minutes after my flight took off. Oh. So then I was stuck there at the airport. So then uh, Laura's like, what can I do to help? And I'm like, all right, you need to I had to give her a list of all of the, my suit, my shirt, my <laughs> shoes, everything she needed to gather from my closet. And she took it to City Hall, so it was waiting for me there. And then she drove her car to the airport. Uh, I jumped in. She jumped out. She went to pick up my bag from baggage claim and go get my car. And uh, I sped off to the city hall and uh, missed the first meeting. Got there in time with the photo. And, of course, I was there for the second meeting. And then Laura strolls in right before the second meeting. So I did all the stress for almost nothing. Wow. But you, you made most of it, though. That's unbelievable. 
So, yeah, but here's the worst part of this whole thing, right? If I would have kept the original flight that they wanted to put me on, I would have got a full night's sleep because I would have left for Meridian at 11 a.m. And I would have landed in Tampa at 6 p.m. Because <sighs> I outsmarted myself and it would cost myself like 120 bucks <laughs> to get to Tampa half an hour later. And be stressed the entire day. Oh, man. Five oh, man. And I, I told people, this only happens to people that think they know what they're doing. Yeah, you overthought it. Like, hey, nothing we can do. You overthought it. Uh, but anyhow. That's it's brutal. Good. First world problems, right? But as I tell people, I live in the first world. That's the only problems I that's have. That's right. You got you to deal with the ones you have. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's talk some more poker. Uh, just a few months after Poker Central ceased its TV operations to focus on internet-based programming, it has announced a deal with NBC Sports Network to air the 2017 Super High Roller Bowl and additional programming on NBCSports.com and NBC Sports app. Yeah. That sounds like it's right in line with what they were planning to do, so that's cool. Yeah, it's an interesting way around it. You know, they give up on TV, but then they find a way, find a TV partner so they can still do stuff on TV. So, you know, is that any worse or better than what they are doing before? You know, probably better. Probably better. NBC is a pretty big name, so, you know, if they do a good job, you never know, it might start to blossom into more, you know, one thing can lead to another domino, so that's pretty good. And uh, just a quick question: Super High Roller Bowl isn't that kind of funny name? It is. Could they have come up with something better than that? It is. It is pretty funny. I don't even know what it means to be honest with you. What, what's a bowl? <laughs> you know, they used to call the, the game the football games bowls because they were played in stadiums that were called bowls and in the shape of bowls. And yeah. but why are they calling the High Roller Bowl? It's a good question. I don't know. It's kind of funny, and it's super. Yeah, that's the part for me. Is like it's not just high roller; it's super high roller. <laughs> and it's not just a good podcast; it's a super good podcast. <laughs> but anyhow, I, that's good news for yeah, everybody. Good for them. Good for all of us. Uh, bad news for people. Mom, uh, federal agents temporarily shut down the bicycle casino this week as part of an investigation into possible money laundering, laundering by patrons of the famed card room near Los Angeles. Uh, there's no indication at this point that the casino was involved in the allegations. I read the story. Yeah, it's, I mean it's it's never a good PR, that's for sure. Yeah, now I think that was a big <clears> thing <throat> mentioned in there. In fact, I actually haven't checked uh, this morning to see whether there was anything uh, new. Doesn't look like it right now. But uh, but that was a big thing. Was that you know, hey, you know, it's very rare that agents are going to shut down a casino to investigate. Um, possible crimes by patrons right yeah you know if they thought that the casino was involved in it that's a different story but at this point there's no indication that now might change after investigation everything we'll see what happens but um but if it ends up being proven that bicycle had nothing to do other than they're just doing their normal operations and some deutsche banks decided to use that as their their office for their bad people stuff uh that's really unfortunate yeah uh, yeah i guess i guess we'll see what happens but Interesting development. Yeah. Hey, anti updates. We're officially taking bookings for our anti up poker cruise to Cuba from Tampa on August 26th. Woohoo! Gene's phone is ringing off the hook, by the way. I am not exaggerating at all. So, seriously, if you want to go on this cruise, I'm not selling this hard. I'm telling you the truth. Her phone never stops ringing now for this cruise. So, uh, and other ones too, because we have four other upcoming sailings uh, on the schedule. All passengers for all sailings get a commemorative coin souvenir. Uniquely designed for each sailing by thepokerdepot.com, a one-month membership to advanced poker training, and a quick reference poker odds card from thegamblingschool.com 
For more information, visit AnnieUpCruises.com. PokerRadius.com is a great poker networking site that is home to the AnnieUp group discussions. Basic memberships are free, and you get access to the AnnieUp group discussions. And upgraded memberships get you access to discounts on poker products and automatic entries into contests. And I should mention that we talked <clears throat> papes a couple episodes ago, and someone said, you talked about papes for like an hour, and you never told us how we could play. So the details on how you can play in papes, our free online poker series, are posted at PokerRadius.com. So go there and find out. Yes. Uh, each week we spotlight a listener who emails us at podcast at com. If they haven't won something from us in the past year, just like we do with Call the Floor and Hand of the Week, we send them something cool. This week's prize is a 30-minute telephone lesson and workbook from Thomas Gallagher Casino Seminars, which specializes in poker odds and math at poker911.net. comes from Frank Simone. My local card room is giving warnings for leaving one's position before action gets to them. Sometimes we need to take an important call or have to attend to business. I don't see why we can't just get up if there are other pressing matters instead of the hand. Once the cards are dealt, is one a prisoner until action reaches the position? Some of these pros are taking three to five minutes looking at ranges and trying to entice tells. Uh, yes, you do need to wait. <laughs> you can call yourself a prisoner if you want, but no one's putting you in jail. Uh, but yeah, so I mean, here's the thing I don't think people realize is you are acting out of turn by giving, getting up and leaving your cards there and running. Now, you don't think it's a big deal because you're folding, and but, you know, think about it from this perspective. Now, you have now changed the dynamic, potentially changed the dynamic of that hand. So, I mean, think about all those times that you're in middle position and you've got one of those middling hands that you think about stealing the pot, the blinds with, right? If you know that the button is already going to fold because he got up to run to the bathroom... That makes it easier for you to make that decision where maybe you were going to fold. Now you've got extra information, and that's unfair to the blinds, right? Right? Yeah. Because otherwise, they might have got a free look at the the big blind might have got a free look. But you just influenced action by acting out of turn. Um, and then the other thing I'll say is, what if uh, before you looked at your cards and got up to leave, uh, the other gun player already folded? So now you're giving the rest of the players at the table information that that player didn't have. Um, and that really might have may not have affected this decision, but it, it doesn't matter whether it did or not. Um, you're being unfair to that player as well, too. So I understand the frustration. There's nothing worse than you know, like we're on a break. I, I, breaks I love to like leave right away, right? Because you want to get to the bathroom before four thousand people are there, <laughs> right? And there's nothing worse than being on the button um, on a break and then peeking down and seeing you got seven deuce. And saying, "Hey, I'm gonna forfeit this hand and get to the front of the bathroom line, so I have a chance to make it." Um, and then you've got somebody, you know, taking seven hours to tank like a middle position. But that's poker. Sorry. That's right. Sorry. You you put up your money and gotta go by the rules. Hey, find yourself in a situation at your favorite poker room or home game, and you're not sure what the proper ruling should have been. Email us at podcast at antietmagazine.com and we'll have Hollywood Casino Toledo Director of Poker Elliot Schechter tell you how he would have ruled. This week's prize is an upgraded membership to PokerRadius.com, Poker's best social networking site and home to the Antiet Group Discussions. And speaking of PokerRadius.com, this one comes from there from Joe Scales. He says, In a tournament, I called on the river with ace high and my opponent mucked his hand. As I started to move my cards toward the dealer, someone at the table said I had to show my hand to win the pot. 
I explained I didn't. Uh, that was correct because my opponent had mucked his hand. The dealer then pulls the mucked cards from the middle and turns them over. Though I had the hand beat, I asked why the cards were turned over since the hand should be dead. The dealer said that the hand was indeed dead, but I had paid to see them, and I would have to show my cards to win the pot. I thought about fighting the issue, but decided it would be good for my image if the table saw that I would call down with ace high, so I turned my hand over. If my opponent mucks their cards when called, should I have to show my hand? Even though I, quote, paid to see the hand, should a dealer pull someone's cards from the muck like that? If he somehow had a better hand than me, would the mucked hand have been awarded the chip since the dealer turned the hand over? I'm pretty sure this whole situation was handled wrong. Yeah, I think so, too. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I think so. Let's see what Elliot says. Elliot says, uh, indeed, this entire situation was handled incorrectly. Yay! Well, not yay. <laughs> yay, they were all... Yeah, we're all in agreement. Just being a, um, a mess. Right. Uh, he says, uh, you were about to be awarded the pot when a player spoke up about you having to show your hand. TDA Rule 16B states, if a non-all-in showdown is uncontested... And all but one player mucks face down without tabling. The last player with live cards wins, and he's not required to show his cards. He bet you called. Neither of you were all in. He mucked. You were supposed to win uncontested without having to show. The player then spoke about you having to show. At this point, the dealer is supposed to call a supervisor over to address the situation. Dealers are not ever allowed to pull cards in the muck and are not allowed to turn over unseen cards unless instructed to do so by a supervisor. This is the equivalent of making a ruling, something all dealers are supposed to be prohibited from doing. If a deliberately mucked hand were to be turned over, it is to remain dead and ineligible to win. I'm not quite sure that would have been the case in the card room in which you were playing. I highly recommend you discuss this with a management team at the card room. No harm, no foul is not a great guest recovery plan. Yeah, that's uh, that's pretty crazy. That, that dealer was empowered there or something. I don't know what he's thinking but that's... Yeah, I have to hope that either it's a brand new dealer that didn't know anything, or a dealer that's been working for 80 years and has just given up. Has <laughs> <laughs> forgotten everything. Right. Or a dealer that just wasn't quite paying attention, and you know what happens like when you are somewhere and someone says uh, something to you and you're first being, oh yeah, you're right, right? Without even thinking about what they say. Right. Like half the time I talk to you. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then you say, "Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, you're right." And then, uh, the, then you realize, "Wait a minute, that's crazy. That's not right at all." Yeah. Uh, so I think, and, and the, I, that happens a lot. I think you see at the table where someone says, "Hey, wasn't that player supposed to do this?" And the dealer's like, "Oh yeah, you're right." And then as he started to do it, he's like, usually they catch themselves and go, "No, no, wait a minute, hold on, that's not the case here." And then they they figure it out. But in this case, that didn't happen. So one of those three things happened, and none of them are great. But. Um, well, I, uh, we got it worked out for Joe, um, but that would have been interesting. I think Elliot's right. In that card room, you know, if, if that opponent's cards were better, I, who knows? Yeah, who knows? <laughs> I a word of the pot, and that would have been terrible. Well, the other thing, too, is, I mean, we don't know what would have happened, because if, if he didn't want to show his ace, he would have said, get the supervisor over here, and, the, and then they might have said, hey, the dealer's crazy, sorry. That's you know? true. So, but yeah, uh, considering the dealer did that, and the dealer's supposed to learn from the supervisor, and so on and so forth, uh, maybe he would have been ruled against him. So, uh, good thing it worked out the way it did. So, hey, can you smell that, Scott? Can you smell it? Um, I think so. It's a new O'Malley's move coming out of the oven. Here it comes. <laughs> I'm Malcolm O'Malley.
It's a new day at the Micro Stakes 5 cent, 10 cent home game. This time it's eight handed, and we've been playing for roughly an hour. There's a player at this game who is a maniacal calling station, but does lay it down occasionally if enough pressure is put on. We bought in for $20 and currently sit with $25. The blinds post, there's one caller in an MP to us. We're in the cutoff with the ace of spades, queen of spades. Good hand here. Let's make a standard raise. At this table, that means anywhere between 2.5 to 4x. I've been making a standard raise of 3x, but always account for any limpers. I make it 40 cents to go. The button and maniacal calling station calls. Why does it seem like these guys are always on my left? He has $22. Everyone else folds, including the limper. There's $1.05 in the pot, and we miss the flop completely. The ten of clubs, eight of hearts, six of clubs comes down. We're first to act and decide to keep up the aggression with a 75-cent bet. The button calls, of course. The pot is now at two fifty-five, and the turn doesn't get any better with the four of clubs. I get the sense this guy doesn't love his hand, and I'm thinking I've told a story strong enough to take the pot down right now. We lead for 175, and again, he calls. The pot has ballooned to a staggering $6.05, and the river is the jack of diamonds. Another swing, another miss. So, are we triple barreling it here? What's the move? Uh, can you smell this? I, I don't know. I know we were oven baking our uh, segments now, but apparently we are. Well, when they're ready, they got to come out, so. <laughs> All right, it's time for the com. And of the week, send your hands or situations to podcast at antiupmagazine.com. If you haven't won something from us in the past year, you'll get a free membership to Advanced Poker Training, the world's number one poker training site. Dr. Frank Toscano back in the house. Uh, Okay. You're supposed to say, can you smell it or something? I don't know. I I gave you enough there. (laughs) The bit's over now. All right. Moving on. Okay. All right, uh, it's first year councilman. Now, come on, Frank. It's a commissioner. Please get the title right. I know everyone seems to get that title wrong. <laughs> now, I can't. It com- I can't explain to you why it's a city commission instead of a city council. I get it everywhere else. So, but whatever. Yeah. But anyhow, uh, I'll, I'll, let me get the eraser out and rewrite. Dear commissioner. All right, there we go. Make us a dear dog catcher uh, substitute. Uh, and you know, hey, I don't want to get too big of a head here, <laughs> but U.S. Senator Bill Nelson just called me. The Honorable Commissioner Scott Long. Wow. And a letter congratulating me. So, And you know. th- wasn't he a space guy? Didn't he go to moon or something? Yeah, yeah. He got on the... Uh, no, no. Uh, he was a, I don't think he was an astronaut, but he was a senator that got picked to go on the space shuttle. I knew it was something like that. Yeah. He's yeah. awesome. Yeah. I got his autograph now. Let's see, this whole campaign was just a long, expensive way for me to get autographs. <laughs> All right. Anyhow, back to poker. Uh, uh, Dr. Frank says, I hesitate to even send in the hand because I just know you're going to beat me up about it. Yes! Uh, but I thought it might be a pretty good leaning experience. And there's a bonus at the end. Oh, okay. So, you know, it sounds like I just kind of ruined the hand, but there's a bonus at the end. Did, so. did you say it was a leaning experience or a learning experience? Something like you said leaning. Uh, well, it could be both. could be both. <laughs> Let's see if it's a leaning experience. Yeah. yeah. So it, it, there's a bonus at the end, so it's like Ferris Bueller, don't leave the theater. Right, you know? right. Yeah, right. All right, uh, he says, in the local card room, $60 tournament, 20-minute blinds, 15,000 starting stack, 83 entrants, a lot of numbers here. Pay stop eight, one more number. 
Uh, eighth place pays about 160. First place pays over 1,000. Early in the tournament, I had chipped up from 15k to about 30k, and then I went card dead. I gave some back, but spent most of the tournament between 16 and 25 big blinds. I made the final table, obvious brag, and uh, when there were nine players left, we all agreed to pay the bubble 10 bucks each, or 80 dollars. The blinds had just gone up to 4,000, 8,000 with a 1,000 ante, and I started this hand uh, with 96,000, which was about 12 big blinds, and there were three stacks at the table shorter than mine. Uh, unfortunately, the two biggest stacks at the table were to my immediate left. I can't tell you how big they were, they were just big. I would played with both guys before and they were pretty similar players. The fellow to my left was moderately tight, but not squeaky tight. He was willing to get it in on marginal hands to knock out uh, desperate players like me, but he didn't wield his stack aggressively to challenge every hand like seasoned pros do. I'd seen him check down hands when a small vet would have won the hand without a showdown. It seemed to me that he was more willing to fold to a standard raise than to, sh to a shove. I had seen him call all in with Jack 8. Wow. I'm all over the place on that guy. Wow. It's folded around to us in the small blind with Queen of Spades, Nine of Spades. All right, it's folded around to us. Where are we? Small blind. Small blind. So the bigger stack is in the big blind. Yes. Uh, I probably just complete. I don't. I don't think I go crazy and raise. I don't want to be out of position with this guy. And um, sometimes I would fold this hand, believe it or not. I would just say whatever. Let's just move on to the next hand. I, my blinds are paid and. Whatever, but um, I, I probably just call. Yeah, I could probably make the case for all three here. I could make the case for folding just because we only have 12 big blinds and we're going to get into a hand-to-hand -hand combat with a bigger stack here with a hand that's not particularly strong. Um, I could make the argument to call because it sounds like this other player may not auto-raise, as, as Frank said, that most uh, big stacks would do in this situation, right? Um, so that means we get a free flop with a hand that has a lot of potential. Um, and I could defend a raise because we do have a hand that, you know, in the blinds, it's slightly above that computer hand, right? Yeah, so, it's two pips better than queen seven. Yep, so uh, why don't we play it? Uh, why don't we uh, raise and maybe the big stack, since he doesn't seem to be uh, super aggressive, uh, maybe he'll fold. And then we pick up, um, uh, wow, 20,000 chips, right? Yeah, let's see, 12,000 12, blinds yeah. and... Uh, Basically nine, eight or nine, and Annie's. So yeah, that's a pretty big, uh, pretty big jump because we're down to ninety-six. Well, ninety-one after we paid our oh yeah Annie. So, but still, that's that's significant when we have uh, only twelve big blinds right now. So yeah, uh, I think of all those, I, I'm I'm going to raise. I'm going to try to take a shot at uh, picking up these blinds with a hand like this. Okay, well I'm not. All right, fine. Be that way. Okay, I'm going to be that way. Alright, uh, he says, uh, Frank says, I know, I can hear Chris right now saying, fold, I fold, just throw it away. I thought about it, I said, I, I could see myself doing that, but I'm gonna just call. Now you're messing up Frank's story here. Sorry. Good job. Sorry. Uh, alright, so Frank says, okay, hear me out on this. Hey, you got nowhere else to be, Frank, right? <laughs> uh, I know this, uh, that this hand is barely better than average, but I'm running out of time and chips. It costs me 21000 every round, more than one-fifth of my stack. By this hand, everyone else had folded to me, so I only had to get through the big blind, one of the big stacks, uh, to take down the hand. I felt like if I shoved, that he was sure to call just to try to get me out. If I completed the 8K and he didn't raise, I would get to see a flop, but I would be out of position with a hand that doesn't play well after the flop. 
I thought that just maybe if I min-raced the 16K, he would fold and I would take down the blinds and annies. So that's what I did. Yeah, I guess I never said what I would raise to. That's uh, true. Well, obviously I'm not going to min-raise because that's not going to work. <laughs> yeah, I don't think min-raise is working with the big stack on your left. You can have any cards. Something about Jack 8 I heard earlier. This guy's going to call a min-raise no matter what. Yeah, I think at that point, if you're just going to min-raise, you might as well just call and save yourself the extra 8K. Yeah. Um, but if you are going to raise then, so uh, now you're going to make it, uh, well, what, two and a half would be 20. Um, and that would leave you 71 behind. Yeah, I could do that. Yeah. Yeah, I probably would raise 20, and we would see what happened. But, um, all right. Uh, Frank says, uh, I was wrong. He called. And now there's 41K in the pot. Um, and I had 79 left. Flop was king of hearts, king of spades, ten of spades, and of course it's on us. Shove. But you got to now, right? Yep. There's nothing left to do. You, you got a gut shot straight flush draw. You got the second nut flush draw. I mean, I know that there's a pair of kings, but I mean, what are you going to do? You can't, you only have seven. What do you bet? 16? So. He was in for five or four, really, to the annual count. So he took 12 off of his 96, or his 90, right? Or no. Yeah, because well, he, he... had 79 left at the flop. All right, at the flop he had 79. 41 in the pot. So, yeah. So, I mean, if you're going to bet half the pot is 20. You only had 70, whatever. So, I mean, I'm just shoving. There's no reason to bet a little bit. You can't fold for a re-raise. You got the second nut flush draw and a straight flush draw and a straight draw. I mean, I, I, you might as well just shove, and then you know, hope he folds and takes on a nice pot. And if he doesn't fold, you got great outs, and you're already in the money. So, yeah, well, I think what's interesting about this shove is that um, if you had a king here, I guess a king you could defend shoving with too, right? Because it's a draw heavy board. So yeah, no, never mind. So I guess that makes sense. So um, yeah, so I guess there's nothing interesting about this. We have to shove. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> thanks for thanks for just a hand. Uh, next week we'll be. Uh, <laughs> Completing O'Malley's move. Uh, all right, so Frank says, uh, okay, pretty good flop for me. Second nut, flush draw, nine outs. Got shot straight draw, three more outs. Also, Queen might give me the best hand, maybe three more. I felt that he would call a shove, so I didn't want to do that because I thought he might let me get to the river cheaply. He might even check it down. I checked. Do you think I should have set the price by betting? How much? Yeah, sorry. Should have set the price by... <clears throat> Approximately seventy nine thousand. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Uh, I don't know the point of checking. Why? I mean, that's you're just playing scared. At this point, if you're one of the middling stacks, you know the point of the tournament is to win the tournament, and this is the perfect opportunity for you to, to make one of the bigger stacks smaller. If he decides to get cocky and call your all in, two. If you hit, now you're one of the big stacks probably, and if it t- and then you're gonna have the button in a minute. So. I don't know. Whatever. Well, here's the other problem with checking is once you hit your hand, <clears> you get minutes. that flush, you get the straight, now you may not get paid off, right? Right. So I think the best option here of shoving is either you just win the pot now, you don't have to hit your hand, right, which is great, or you get them to commit now when they don't, um, before you actually improve your hand, and then if you do improve, then you win. Well, you're not going to get that money. So I think either way, it's 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 the best to get the money in right now. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you got so many ways to win. Shoving, you take down a nice pot, 
you know, uh, if if he calls, you got a way to hit and we'll take a huge pot. And then if you know, I mean, just so many ways to win. And if you lose, you've made money and you made the move that you need to move at the right time to get to be one of the leaders at this table. And you're showing that you're willing to get it all in too, so people might be, you know, hesitant to deal with you later. So I I, I just can't see any other move but shoving here. All right, uh, Frank says his opponent said just to see how interested you really are. Uh, he bet fifteen k. It's my action. I I, I still shove. I, I just can't. Okay. I, I won't. I won't not shove no matter what I do now. Yep, yep. Um, all right, Frank says there's fifteen k to win fifty six k. That's less than four to one. I figure I had between twelve and fifteen outs, but I felt that I had great implied odds. If I hit my hand, I feel I felt like he would probably put a lot more in the pot. On the other hand, now that I'm worried about a king in his hand making my three possible queen outs worthless, it's even possible he's filled up already I'm drawing dead. Well, you're not really drawing dead. <laughs> yeah, so it's uh, flush. I feel like I'm lost and confused. Well, you definitely are lost and confused, Frank. <laughs> <laughs> now, I can always say that because it's Frank, right? Although Frank does get out of us when we poke him in the gut a little bit, so maybe I'll be a little nicer here. Right. I feel your pain, Dr. Frank. Uh, yeah, I just... I just... And even the guy's giving you the whole speech and everything, it doesn't matter if he has three kings, because you still have outs. There's no way this guy flopped a boat and bet into you. He wants you to catch up. Yep. You know what I mean? And if he has the king, he probably still wants you to catch up. Probably. He may have the king, but he probably wants you to catch up a little bit. You know, he's not thinking you have two spades and the gut shot straight flush draw. So I just I think you, you should have shoved and taken that power away from him. All right, Frank calls, and the turn was the nine of diamonds. So our board now is king of hearts, king of spades, ten of spades, nine of diamonds. Mm, hit the nine. I mean, he could have nothing still. Now you've got a pair. He could have had ace high, and you were losing, and now you're winning. Mm-hmm. So, again, I'm shoving. Yeah, so it doesn't change anything for me. It actually just makes it a little bit easier to shove now because we actually improved. Um, right. Not greatly, but we improved, right? Right, right. Um, all right, Frank says this really didn't change much. Now another nine would give me nines full, and a king would fill me up. Also, it's four more potential outs, but they're not solid outs. There's still a big problem if he has a king. He'd have a bigger boat of a nine hits and quads of a king uh, hits. I don't think I can lead out, so I check. Yeah, we go ahead and say you know. Well, last week O'Malley, we were like kind of overthought that situation. Yeah. I, I kind of want to get Frank and O'Malley together. <laughs> See how long it takes them to, uh, to overthink this. Uh, I really, I mean, I'm being funny, but um, I really do think we're kind of overthinking this at this point. So. I, you know, to be honest with you, too, I mean, I don't know if this is his revisionist kind of going through the outs and stuff or if he's really doing this in real time. To me, when I'm playing poker, a lot of my thinking and stuff like this is sort of subconscious. Like, I get an idea of what kind of outs I have in my mind and I'm thinking okay but I'm not counting outs and thinking okay he might have quads if he hits a king and the I, that stuff is just like you know I mean I in this moment odds outs and everything don't mean anything to me now I mean I need to shove I, it's more of a property thing than it is a you know outs and numbers and thing for me now I've got so many chips and I've got so many possibilities I'm just getting it in the middle and trying to get this guy to fold. And if not, I've got a lot of possibilities of winning still. I don't I don't know if Frank actually goes through all of these outs in his head when he plays all these tournaments and all these things. I mean, he could have, and he could just be doing it because it's revisionist history here, and he's just trying to get all the stuff for us to, to talk about it. But for me, yeah, I'm just I'm just shoving. I mean, I'm not thinking about outs. I'm not thinking about anything. This is This is a hand I need to get my money in good on, especially since I'm already in the money. You know, and I want to be able to play for a lot of money. I want to be able to play for a thousand bucks, but going for 
for you know a little crimp and save here and that. That's just not going to work for me. I need to get it in. So I, I don't know what else there's to think about, really. All right. Uh, so I forget. Did I tell you that he checked? Did I tell I, you that the opponent bet? No. All right. So he checks. The opponent bets 20000 back to us. And <sighs> Frank says, okay, now it's twenty k to win, uh, 91K. Um, ASK, if he has a king but hasn't voted up yet, I still have 12 outs, and now my liability is limited. I get to see the river for 20K, and if I miss my draws, I'm done putting money in this pot and still have 46K left. It's dangerously low, about six big blinds, but still more than the smallest stack of table and about equal to one other stack. Yeah, six big blinds will make me feel a lot better about this. No. It says, on the other hand, if either my flush or straight comes through, I have a stack of 46K, which is about the right size to shove into a pot of 11, 111K. I think the big blind would most likely call my show, which would double me up to about 200K. Put me in a great position to shoot for the top three cash. I don't care about the bubble boy money or the eighth place money. I want to give myself a shot for the top. Well, that's a very interesting statement, right? Yeah, because that should have been thought of earlier, I think. You know? I mean, if you're convinced he's going to call, then you might as well shove on the flop and get your money in and get it and try to double through, you know. And now if, and what if what if the river's a blank? Then what do you do? Any bets? Then you're going to fold your nines? You know, yeah, I mean... So you're going to save these nines. <clears throat> and... Yeah, it's just not it's not enough. It's not enough to be that $1,000 winner. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I mean, I, I mean, I it, I know we're supposed to reset every time something happens that, that we didn't do, um, but I still think I'm shoving. Now I've got a pair. I think he, he, think he thinks maybe we're drawing, which we are, but we've also got a pair. And I think he's just betting, thinking we're going to fold because he's a bigger stack and we're kind of timid. And I, 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 I would shove, and then if he calls, you still have a ton of ounce at one street to go. If you need him. Yeah, my only concern now is the, the way that our opponent's betting. Um, you know, if he, if, he, if he wanted this out of this pot, he would have shoved at some point himself, right? Right. So I think these little smaller bets, I think, are designed to get us to call. So he obviously has something... And that's something's better than our nines, um, but still doesn't change anything. The fact that I mean, well, it, 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 at this point, maybe now that we've gotten to the point that maybe now we, if Frank is happy with the six big blinds, if he calls here and misses, I think he'd be happier by having nine big blinds by not putting this extra twenty k in right now. If that's the case, right? And just letting it go. And just letting it go now, which is unfortunate, but. Um, I really do think that if this guy wanted us to push us around, he would have shoved either now or on the flop. But the fact that he keeps betting something and we keep calling, I think he he thinks that's the best way to bleed his dry here. It feels like he has a ten to me. He doesn't feel. I don't know why. I just I think he has a ten. No, that, that makes sense to me. Because if he had a king, why would he have bet that flop? I mean, really, why would he bet? Why wouldn't he just check and then make Frank try to steal it on the turn, then just call, then try to make Frank steal it on the river and then come over the top? You know, or so, I mean, you're going to lose a small blind who just limps in with you 90% of the time when you hit three kings and you bet him. So I feel like he has a 10. I don't know. I mean, yeah, it could be wrong, but... No, sounds right to me. Yeah. All right, well, Frank calls. The river is a blank, and it's uh, his action. He checks. Uh, he says, I surrender. Surprisingly, uh, the opponent checks two and shows down King of Diamonds, Jack of Hearts. Oh, wow. Wow, so he didn't even raise after the you limped in? How does he not raise? Oh, wait, we we raised, we min-raised, right? Is that what we did? And he yeah, just calls. Raised, he just, he calls. just calls with that, the big stack. Huh. 
Yeah, I guess that's that's probably right. Well, I was right in the fact that he didn't want us to fold. He right. wanted to, you know, see how much more money we can get out of him. Now, the interesting thing is, playing Frank's way, he survived. We we're playing our way. There's no way this guy's going to fold his kings, right? Right. So we would be out. Um, but that's result-oriented. That's right. Do not allow that on this show. <laughs> All right, so Frank says, uh, so uh, had I folded this crap hand preflop, I would have saved forty one uh, 47K, but uh, I was still had a pretty short stack of 92K, uh, or 11 and a half big blinds. If I had shoved preflop, the big blind most likely would have called and be out of the tournament. I was sad that I wasted 47K, but happy to still have a chance. All right, well, All right now he says, uh, now the bonus, a very quick situation. The very next hand, several middle position players limp for 8K each, and then the player to my right in the cutoff shoved. He has me covered about 3K. I don't know this player because we've only recently combined tables. The two biggest stacks are in the blinds to my left. I'm on the button with ace of clubs, king of clubs. It's my action. I shove for a little less. I think this is about as good as it's going to get. To my dismay, the small blind on uh, my left, the same guy's last hand, also calls and everyone else folds. The player on my right has ace jack and the player on my left has king queen. Great, I have both players dominated and I could triple up to over 150k or 19 big blinds and start playing poker again. Also, if I win, the player on my right will be crippled and will probably go out quickly bursting the bubble. Alas, not to be. The queen on the turn knocked us both out, and since I was a smaller stack, I collected my bubble payout and headed to the parking lot. Because I was calling a shove, I gave up any fold equity I might have had with my relatively short stack. Do you think I should have waited since I was not the first to shove? Uh, probably not. Nah, it's... Nah. It's suited ace king. So. Yeah, yeah no, I don't think so. You're not going to get any better hands than that, and you're already short. That's well, funny. Thing to think about too is that you're putting in a thousand every hand too, so you know you got to pick a hand pretty quickly here. So, and what happens if you throw this one away because you weren't the first in, and then you get nothing but nine sixes for the next six hands, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and then you're gonna wish you had that ace king back. So, yeah. yeah, I absolutely would love to be the first one in, uh, but when I'm that short, uh, I'm not gonna throw away a premium hand because yeah. I'm the first one in. Yeah, so, no way. To hope it all works out right yeah you know and it's sick that the queen comes the other day i was playing and four of us got it all in pre-flop it was like a cash game or something and three of us had ace queen and one had ace nine and one ace queen was ace queen of clubs mine was ace queen of spades the other one was like the ace ace of diamonds queen of hearts or something and then the ace had whatever it was and then it had the nine of clubs sort of like wow well we're gonna be chopping this three ways unless a nine comes well it comes three clubs so the ace queen of clubs wins the main pot and then it goes four clubs and the nine of clubs wins <laughs> I'm like oh the two God. other ace queens are out. I mean this is ridiculous so just when you think you're dominating and you're gonna chip up and there's no way you're gonna lose or whatever like Frank was there the queen comes on a turn and the one card that could hurt him and it happened it's just uh, it's, a, it's sometimes it's such a brutal game Unbelievable. That's what makes it fun, though. That's what makes it fun. All right, I'm Chris Casenza. And I'm Scott Long. We'll see you at the table. Anti-Up is a production of antiupmagazine.com. Contact the show at podcast at antiupmagazine.com or call our hotline at 206-338-6344. If you'd like to advertise, send an email to advertising at antiupmagazine.com or call 727-331-4335. Some music used in this episode comes courtesy of the Podsafe Music Network.